it's just so awesome to have a place to put our hearts, you know, um, to let your roots sink in. And I've, I've never really had a place like that. I lived on the go, kind of traveling around, you know, first just being in school. You guys know how that goes. And um, I've traveled around a little bit, living in different places. I've relied so much on the generosity of the body of Christ, you know, and um, God's always faithful. And it was awesome. But I'm so glad to have a home, to ha be married. It's amazing, you know. Like, have a baby. It's insane. And I, I never, never could picture me getting to a place like this. So um, it's just an honor to be here with you guys. And um, I just kind of want to start with that. Just by, you know, our relationships are sacred to me. And, um, yeah, thank you guys. So I kind of want to dive into a little bit of a travel story I had. Um, a little bit in the Old Testament, a little bit in the New Testament, and I hope by the end of today uh, we can have a little more of a glimpse into what God's doing in our hearts. <clears throat> and so let's just throw, throw the title slide up there and kick it off. Perception, Sailing, and Stinky Manna. There it is. That's, that's where we're going. Um, Matthew 6 and Exodus 16. So we're going to start in Matthew 6, and I just want to read a chunk of Jesus' words, you know? I just, the, the more and more me and Gordy are studying and trying to figure out what's our direction in Creekside, it's, it's an easy answer, and it's the Sunday school answer. What's the right answer? Jesus. <laughs> we're just trying to focus on Jesus, and... Um, it's so hard to just let everything else kind of fall away and just get to the roots of Jesus. And so let's just start off today's service, if that's okay with you guys, just with a few paragraphs of Jesus. And um, yeah. Matthew 6, you got it? Yeah, there we go. All right, here we go. Jesus is teaching. God himself is teaching us. It's pretty insane. All right. So starting in verse 19. So chapter 6, verse 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moss and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves. I love this because... You know, Jesus cares about us taking care of ourselves. <laughs> you know, being a Christian doesn't mean being a doormat and um, neglecting yourself. It's actually the best way to become yourself is by following Jesus, I think. But store up for yourselves in uh, treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That is such an amazing sentence. Just for where your treasure is, is where you're, you're tied to, you know, whether you like it or not. Where your treasure is, is where your heart 
is going to be connected. It's, you can't escape that. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. It's all, you can think of it as if your vision is whole, if you see big enough. Um, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy or small, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? If your vision is dark, how great of darkness is going to be in your heart? If what you see when you look out is dark, how great is the darkness in in us. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and mammon, money. Therefore, I tell you, this is where it gets good. This is crazy. So Jesus is going to give us his, his, this is his perspective of life. This is his perception of life, how he sees. Therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life. This, is, this just seems crazy. Don't worry about your life. What you eat or drink or your body, what you will wear, is not life more than food and your body more than clothes. This is so crazy. How much of our time is spent thinking about our body, worrying about our bodies, you know, or food? Maybe like 90%. And thinking about it's not bad, but we're trying to get life out of it is what is the deception. Nothing's wrong with our bodies. Nothing's wrong with money. Money's not evil. That's not what Jesus is saying. It's, it cannot give you what you want it to give you. It can't. Look at the birds of the air. And this is how Gordy was teaching last week. Jesus looks at nature and lets that reveal truth about the spirit and about the inner world. Look at the birds. They do not sow or reap or stow away in barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? Worrying, dude. Worrying. Worrying. It's the, I think it's like this, it's the sea we're all swimming in all the time, especially in this culture. There's so much to worry about, right? There's so much to worry about. Our health, you know, the country, our jobs, our money, our investments. I have investments. <laughs> I'm worried about it. I'm like, let's check it. Is it going up or down? <laughs> you know? Here's another Awesome example. Why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, he will not much more clothe you, you of little faith. <laughs> so don't worry. Saying, what shall we eat, what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans um, run after all these things, you know? We just kind of went through a list. These are kind of the top priorities that we're going after. 
You know, when are you going to feel peace? When you got your money. <laughs> when are you going to feel confident? When you got that, you know, I don't know, got that Lululemon. Got that cool jacket, you know, K-U-H-L jacket, you know. Where was I? Oh, yeah, we're all running after all these things. Verse 33, this is like my life verse, I think. I don't even have, I don't know. It's, I just, this is a huge verse for me. Seek first, because there's an order to things, you know. If you try to get the harvest first, you know, how's, if you try to get, you know, the fast-cooked microwave satisfaction first, it's not going to work, you know. The intimacy comes after a lot of stuff, you know. Community comes after a lot of stuff, purpose, you know. There's an order to what we seek. It matters. It matters. It's not that those things are bad. It's just seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And, and then what will happen? All these things will be given to you as well. So there's a lot of Christian teaching, you know, throughout the ages of this. I really want to try to get to the heart of it. So I think all of us are having... You know, things come to mind, what this can mean. I just, let's just try to hold off a little bit before you, we start jumping to it. Um, that doesn't mean the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel. How, you know, how many of you guys know you can follow God and not have money? <laughs> you know, like that happens for 70% of the world, more than that. This isn't, but this is teaching us something so real, so real. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. This is how Jesus views life. He, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Because Jesus knows that there's a shepherd, you know, holding, holding your life more than you are, just so you know. And um, can you turn the mic down just a little bit, just so I don't... I don't know. Um, yeah, let's pray, and then we'll dive into perception, sailing, and stinky manna. Um, God, thank you for that text. Thank you for your teaching. Guide our hearts. Do what only you can do, and just speak to us so personally, so intimately. Help us to just lay down our worries things outside of this room, you hold it all, and you're good, and you're loving, and you're forever, and speak to us, we want to come in line with you, and we say this in Jesus' name, amen. So, <clears throat> just, just starting off, um, I'm, I'm, I'm growing more and more fascinated with these four collections of stories we call the Gospels. They're just collections of short stories about this character, this, this human being, this person, Jesus. And the way Jesus responds to situations is not how I would. 
And the, the things Jesus pursues, the relationships he has, um, the type of life he lives is rewriting in a radical way what it means to be human. And the more I read it, the more it's, it's kind of rewiring my perception of life. What's important? What's not? What should we worry about? What do we not? Um, and the thing is that, um, I just want to start this too. God, God will not control your decisions. That's not how love works. So we, we're in participation with what's happening in our hearts. And um, humanity has been on a journey, huge journey, with um, what God is like. What is God like? Where is he? Where is he not? Where is it? Where is they? Where is, you know, this mystery, the, this perception um, of God has been on a journey. And there's one, there's, 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 there's um, a huge anchor in it. In, it's the truth. It's all over the Bible is that God never changes, right? How many of you guys, you know, we get that, right? God never changes, um, I don't have a ton of verses up here for it, but Hebrews 13, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Malachi 3.6, for I, the Lord, do not change. God doesn't change. Therefore, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. Um, Isaiah 40, verse 8, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Every good, every good and perfect gift is from above. Um, coming down from the Father of lights, in whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. God never changes. Do you know what changes? Our perception of God. How we see God. And this is pretty much the story of the Bible. I just want to point out, because the Bible, you know, it, it has a lot of different um, depictions of what God's like. And it has a lot of different prayers in it that sometimes they're praying war prayers. You know, God, kill our enemies. And then all of a sudden, God is like, do you want to, you, we're going to rid the world of enemies, but we don't do it by killing them. Love your enemies. It's like, what contradiction? <laughs> you know, right there, boom, contradicted. Do you know there's a lot of contradictions in the Bible? <laughs> not because God changes, not because truth changes, but because of how humans see God changes throughout history. And so, you know, Abraham in Genesis Thousands of, th thousands of years ago, he thought that in order for God to love you, you got to offer him blood. You got to, God is, same with all the cultures of the world, same with my own um, friends in Fiji. They always believed if you want to have a good life, you got to appease the gods or, the, or God with violence. And it's, it's funny how many cultures around the world if you look at history, they all thought that. And you see in the Bible, it's there too. And you see this slow development where God shows up and says, 
um, he starts with Abraham. And the first thing when God shows up, you know, at the Oaks of Mamre, Abraham shows up with his perceptions. And he, he perceives God is about to visit with him. And so he runs to cook a meal, you know, get, get his best stuff. Because he's got to bring an offering, you know, to God. And do you know what God does? He cooks, him, he cooks Abraham a meal. So he, he's, he, and this is what's been happening the whole story. God flips it. There's this human perception that we need to cook, kill, offer. And God flips it. He says, I'm going to bring the meal. You know, I am the God. And these, the, the climacting points throughout the Bible is I'm compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love. No, God, dash my enemies' heads, you know. And there's, there's wars and there's real stuff like that. And that's how they're crying out to God and it's recorded in the Bible. But as, as we're going along is we get more and more into who God is. And one of the biggest discoveries we can make is that sometimes what's keeping us from, you know, from, I would say from each other and from God, isn't that God's not there. It's that you can't see him. It's your perception. And, and so um, <clears throat> there's a verse in Genesis. This is one of my favorite stories where Jacob is, he's on a journey. And um, Jacob, we've talked about this before, but Jacob falls asleep and he puts his head on a stone and he, he, he's sleeping in with nothing. He's, he doesn't have a home. He doesn't have his family around him. He doesn't have a land. He's actually trying to find it. And he's out on the road. And he's tired. And he lays down. And he sleeps. And he has this dream. And this dream changes everything for Jacob. And this is the funny thing. Nothing in Jacob's life changes that night. Except his perceptions of God. But after this dream... Everything changes. Jacob had a dream, and he saw, Jacob, this is Jacob's ladder, and he saw a connection between heaven and earth right where he was. And so Jacob wakes up, and before in this night, when he felt alone and empty, scared, worried, anxious, heavy emotions, he was carrying the burden of life on his back. And he wakes up from this dream. And he says, surely the Lord is in this place. He was trying to get to God. Surely the Lord is in this place. And I was not aware of it. I was not. That's the problem. It's not even a problem. It's just the reality. He's, he's waking up. He's waking up. I was not aware of it. I was not aware of it. I don't know too many people who are comfortable saying, man, I'm just not aware. <laughs> I'm, I'm just not aware, you know. There's a lot of problems in my relationship, you know. Usually what I hear is, this person's this, this person's that. This person is like, you know, da-da-da-da-da. I don't know if I've ever recently heard in the last month or so, Somebody just say, yeah, man, I'm feeling really uh, discouraged and empty and my relationships are this, you know, there's a lot of, con I'm just not aware. 
of who they are and what's going on. That's a deep line. Surely the Lord is holding us. We're just not aware of it. Even the madness of our times, even in the failed business, even in the failed marriage, even in the failed dating, you know, even in the failed grades. And this is the revelation of Jesus, you guys, that's so crazy is that when Jesus shows up, where is God? It's easy for us to say, you know, the Patriots won the Super Bowl. Man, the Lord was on their side, you know? Or who won the Super Bowl last year? Oh, yeah, Tom Brady. <laughs> you know, man, the Lord. You hear it all the time when, a, when an athlete wins, or even Tyler Fury, you know, that fighting match last week, two weeks ago. The Lord's on my side, you know? You know what Jesus showed us? That we couldn't, that humanity has been trying to swallow ever since is that God is with the weak as well. <laughs> we love the picture of God as conquering king, you know? We love that. The reason we couldn't swallow and accept and digest Jesus is because God is a bleeding dying, poor person? What? You see what I'm saying? The perception. Man, in my life, God's with me when my stocks are climbing, when, when the boss says, good job. The revelation of Jesus Christ is there are some, there is a closeness to God there is a growth in life. There is a strength, Paul says. There is a strength that is only available to you in weakness, in loss. You know, in death. <clears throat> there is a grace sufficient for you. God, take this struggle away. You've left me. Take this away. No. I'm right there with you. Because God isn't where we think he is, you guys. Jesus is trying to give us new eyes. Oh, man, God, I'm having a lot of conflict in this job. It means I got to leave. You're leading me out, right? I don't know. It's your perception. <laughs> oh, God, this relationship is meant to be. You know, she texted me, and in the end of the text, she said my favorite color. <laughs> it's meant to be. It's your perception. Where is God? This is the revelation of Jesus. And go back to that Genesis verse. Was there any more? Yeah. Dude. This is after Jacob is waking up. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? He's realizing God is, we're swimming in God. We are swimming in him. It's like the fish that's like, where's the ocean? Where's the ocean? I've been looking for it all the time. Where's the ocean? Where's the ocean? Where's the ocean? And one day, whoa, I've never been without the ocean. <laughs> you know? How do you wake up to something that, is your very breath. Every breath comes from God. 
Every living thing is sustained by God. Colossians 2, this is the picture of Jesus. There is nothing in all of creation that didn't come through Jesus. Dude, that is hard to swallow. No, good things came from Jesus, bad things came from the devil. That's not what Colossians says. It says, your perceptions of what's good and bad is just going to keep you from Jesus. <laughs> nice, Abby. Do that verse. Dude, this is the rep- the poor, bleeding, beat down, betrayed man who stands up and says, I don't hold anything against you guys. I get it. Jesus' life. How much of that strange little man was God? All of him. The fullness of God dwelled in Jesus. So you can't separate, uh, this conversation of Jesus wasn't, didn't reflect God. That just reflects you know, this or that. No. It says the fullness, the abundance of God is seen. So we're, this is all theological and stuff, and now I kind of want to get real. Oh, let's just finish that Jacob verse real quick. Because when you wake up, you guys, this is the shift I'm, I'd love to see our community make. I, I can't imagine what would happen in this little town if a, a few families in here started to see life like this. How awesome is this place? Because God is all around. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. He's rewriting all of his theology right now. <clears throat> Next verse. Is there another one? Okay. I'll just tell you. You can read it. Um, what Jacob ends up saying, this was, he realizes this, and so in verse 20, you guys can look it up later, it says, if God will be with me and will watch over me um, on this journey I'm taking, he's going to give me food to eat and clothes to wear. Sounds like Jesus. God's going to take care of me because I'm swimming in God and I can't be disconnected from God. And this is the very gate of, you know, God is available and he's with me and I'm swimming in him. And so there is an abundance in life. This is where we get real controversial. It's like, no, man, life is not abundant. I got to get I got to get mine. I got to secure mine. I got to ensure everything I have. Otherwise, I'm going to lose it and I'm going to be left to dry and I'm going to, you know, fall into the abyss of darkness and depression and death and isolation. That's that's the message we're always getting from our world and our system, because it makes sense, you know, all of our advertisements and all of our music, they want you to buy stuff, right? So they're going to tell you you need more and more and more, right? This, this isn't new. Jesus' way of seeing life isn't scarcity. It's abundance. And Jacob is waking up to this, and you see the fruit of Jacob's life as he lives in this freedom. Life is good. Life is abundant. Everything you need is available to you. No, it's not, God. No, it's not. I need this. I need this. I need this. Perception. 
you know, perception. There's nothing more powerful than perception. Throw up that line, and this is kind of experience. Your experience is directly shaped by perception. This is what I kind of mean by this. So I was, uh, when I was living in Fiji, I was living in a a village for a few years. I moved there in 2013. And somewhere, and I was the only white guy. Like, it was all Fijians in this village, and I was just living with them. Outside of the village, there's farmland in Fiji and kind of rolling hills and sugarcane. And Indians from India are all living out there. I was the only white guy I knew. But one day, I was uh, hanging out in the village, and one of my Fijian friends runs up to me, and he goes, Seth, there's another white guy living out here. I was like, what? No, I'm the only white guy. You know? <laughs> He's like, no, there's another white guy. He's an old man, said he. He's an old man. His name's Uncle Jim. I was like, what? Uncle Jim? It's like, what kind of guy is living out here? Nobody's out here. And so I went on a journey to go find him, and I, I walked down the sugarcane train tracks for, like, probably two miles and down there, I saw this hut. This guy built his own hut, and he was living in there. This white dude, this old white dude. <laughs> and he was, I can't find out, he was like 68 at the time. And Uncle Jim, he was a New Zealander. As soon as I knock on the door, I'm like, Uncle Jim? He's like, hey, mate. I was like, whoa, he's got an awesome accent, you know. <laughs> Invites me, and hey, mate, you know, how long have you been around here? And I was like, what the? You know, I live here. What are you doing around here? And he's like, you know, we became friends. He was really good at jazz guitar, just really nice chords and never used a pick, just fingertips, you know. He's teaching me. He, he built his own sailing boat in his garage in Hawaii, and now it was in Fiji. He built it by his hands. He did jiu-jitsu. He was 68 years old, did jiu-jitsu. He still surfed cloud break one of the gnarliest breaks you can find. This guy was a legend. And one day, Uncle Jim comes up to me. These are our families back here, all of our babies. Um, One day, Uncle Jim was like, hey, Seth, I'm looking to go on a journey. I was like, oh, you know, what do you mean? He's like, I want to go sail the Yasawas and, uh, you know, go see the Blue Lagoon, mate. You know, (laughs) he's like, I need a deckhand. I was like, oh, deckhand. I've always wanted to be a sailor. <laughs> so I told him, yeah, I'll go with you. I was like, what should I bring? And he's like, ah, just a backpack. Stay simple, mate. We don't want to get cluttered. I was like, okay. Uncle Jim's always been real nice. But I came to find out this guy is super OCD, like super OCD. We get on the boat. We're heading out. We had a plan to go for like, you know, over a week. Yeah, this is Uncle Jim. He's, and this is on the boat, too. Show the next slide. So this is actually Joe and Cheryl. I wanted to show them this little boat. It's a 26-foot James Warm design. It's based on Polynesian uh, boats. And so he built that, and it's, it's 26 foot. And I want to show you um, kind of the size of it because it's important for the story. It's okay. Kai is going to be okay. So this little 26-foot boat, the, the, the controversy of this boat is that it's 26 feet. It's small. Nobody thought that this boat could handle going around the world. It does. It, it handles everything. And when you build it, you know how to fix it. And so 
we were going to go face the seas, you know? And I was like, Jim, are you sure? This thing's pretty small. I was like, what if it rains? And he, these little, see that? So there's two pontoons, or I guess you call them pontoons or holes. But see the square hatch? There's a latch here and on the other one. You see that? It's pretty small. But Uncle Jim's like, there's your room. I was like, whoa, okay, that's kind of cool. So I put my stuff in it. You know, we head out. We're, out. we're going on our journey, and we're just having the best time. We're sleeping on that trampoline under the stars. You know, I brought my spear gun. We're just, like, cooking up eggs and fish and, you know, sautéing stuff on the deck. And, you know, a few nights we're getting into it. And, um, you know, like, I don't know, one, one gnarly part about Uncle Jim uh, was that I started to realize that um, he would just, like, yell at me if I, like, made any movement on the boat at night. So um, one, one night I, was, I needed to use the restroom, and I, like, got up, and I was just, like, going as careful as I could across the trampoline thing, and, like, Uncle Jim just, like, immediately wakes up. What are you doing, mate? It sounds like a bleeping elephant out there, you know? He's like, what are you doing? He, like, gets out, and he sees the ropes aren't organized. These ropes aren't organized. It's looking real Mickey Mouse out here. I ought to throw you out. And he's, like, yelling at me, yelling at me. I'm like, dude, Uncle Jim is crazy. And, you know, I'm just trying to, like, you know, just do what he says, do what he says. I'm only here for a couple, you know, a little. I can handle this. I can handle this. And um, we wake up the next morning. I'm just, like, starting to have revelations about Uncle Jim. And I'm like, he doesn't really talk to me, like, I try to ask him a question, and he doesn't say anything back, and then he'll just bark at me. I was like, this is getting really weird. And then I look in the sky, and I see clouds, and a storm, a big storm's coming. And this is, this is intense. It's not good. Um, so Uncle Jim's like, all right, mate, we need to take cover. We need to take cover. We're going to go find our, you know, see that island over there? We're going to go find a cove, and drop anchor, and right as we make it to the island, storm hits, it's getting rowdy, even though we're, like, in a cove, so boats bobbing up and down, rain starts coming, and what we realize, I'm not kidding, is this island that we're, like, taking cover on is the actual island they filmed Castaway at, <laughs> which didn't do good things for my mind, I was like, what? Stranded on, like, at the beginning, I'm like, we're sailing, you know, Fiji, you know, this is a dream. All of a sudden, it's like the, my imagination is shifting to, like, this is life and death. We're going to get stranded on a desert island like Tom Hanks, and I got to go find Wilson in there and learn how to, like, knock out my, my cavity with a, you know, a, what's it called, a ice blade, ice skate. All these things are coming to my, my, my mind, and it's starting to get rowdy, and Uncle Jim's like, all right, mate, we need to take cover. He's like, you can get in your little cubby. And I was like, oh, okay. So I open up my hatch, and I was like, dang, dude, it's kind of small in there, but that's okay. So I open it up, and I jump in, and the rain just starts pouring. I close my cubby, and uh, I roll out my mat. I had a little mat in there, and it's big enough for me to just kind of lay. And I brought my iPad, so I pulled it out, and I was like, I'm just going to hang out. And it was kind of bobbing. And I was like, I started to have some fears come in my head of like, you know, what if our anchor knot comes undone and we get blown out to sea and I'm under here, can't see. I was like, no, no, it's okay. Uncle Jim built this boat with his bare hands. I can trust him with a knot, right? So I was like, let that go. 
She's going to watch a sermon. Pull out my sermon. And I was, literally, I was under there for like 45 minutes to an hour, just really comfortable. You know, and I'm, in, I'm actually enjoying it because in the village I didn't really have a place to myself. I was always kind of available for problems and help. So I'm finally my own little, it's kind of rocking me like a baby. I'm just like, yeah, just relaxing. And I was like, oh, dang, dude, I need to go. I need to go to the bathroom. I was like, and then I was like, but if I, I don't want to deal with Uncle Jim. It's nighttime. He's going to freak out at me again. I'm just going to hang out. So I'm just going to try to go to sleep. It hit a point where I, I couldn't. So I'm like, all right, I'm going out. And uh, I put my hand on the hatch to push it open. good guys, you know, talking to myself, I'm like, I try to get my legs under me as best I can, I'm like, <laughs> my, uh, my hatch was flat from the outside, <laughs> and I was like, you know, I started freaking out, panicking, and um, I'm like, Uncle Jim, Uncle Jim, and I'm like screaming his name and not hearing anything. Uncle Jim, because I'm in my little cubby. Start getting so hot, start breathing so fast. You know, I'm locked in this little thing. I was like, Seth, breathe, breathe. Remember to breathe. It's like right now, you guys remember to breathe. As you're listening, I see some of you guys aren't breathing as much. Just So I was like, okay, calm down. You got to breathe. And uh, um, I tried to imagine, I was like, I was in here for about 45 minutes to an hour, so comfortable, just because I didn't realize I was locked in, you know, small little detail, just a little detail, so I was like, I can hang a little more, you know, I can, I can hang, and, you know, I don't have to try to convince you guys to explain that that experience went from me really enjoying my little space and my study to freak out mode, you know, total freak out mode, and I was like, okay, as long as my brain thought I was in here by choice, I loved it, so I'm in here by choice, you know, just trying to tell myself, I'm in here by choice, and it was the, the, nothing in the circumstances changed, I was doing great, except until I realized it was locked, and suddenly, you know, I, I, I can't remember, I laid back down, but then I heard some scurrying happening up on the boat. And so I was like, Jim, Uncle Jim, Uncle Jim. And finally, what, mate, what you screaming about? I'm like, ah, and I jump out, run over to the boat, and just like pee. I'm just like, I was locked in there. And Uncle Jim, what I realized is that he had a hearing problem. That's why he wasn't talking to me when I'd ask him questions. He couldn't hear me hitting. He couldn't hear really anything unless he could see my lips. He, he would lip read me. So I was like, are you kidding me, man? You couldn't hear me? You know, I was locked in here. I'm sitting here, and I'm not kidding you guys. This is the truth. I'm over there on the end of the boat taking pee. He goes back to his cubby. He gets in his, and his latched from the outside. And he starts hitting his, and I was like, like, how is this going to play out? You know, I'm dead serious. And by the grace of God, somehow he let me out of mine. I let him out of his, and then we ripped those locks off those freaking hatches. 
until we survived the rain. The next day, Uncle Jim's like, trip's canceled. We're going home. You know, he's like, I'm not putting up with this. And uh, we left. My point in being is that perception directly shapes your experience. Okay? It directly, directly. And notice I'm not saying reality shapes your experience. Reality is what is. It's actually what's going on. Perception is what shapes your experience. I was, I was in really enjoying myself in the same set of circumstances. I just wasn't fully aware of all those circumstances, and I was happy. As soon as a little more revelation came in that moment, you know, it radically changed things to life and death. And I was studying, um, we're going to wrap it up in about five minutes, but I was studying in Exodus 16, and I'm just going to share this story with you guys, is, is the Israelites, they were on a journey too. They felt like they were getting really far away from their resource. They were. Um, they're actually moving away from Egypt, you know, and we looked at this a couple weeks ago. And as they're going further and further towards freedom, they're, they're actually getting closer to freedom, but their feeling is that they're actually going closer and closer to starvation, right? If you remember, as the Israelites are journeying from slavery to the promised land. And what happens is one morning they wake up, and Abby, if you'll put up Exodus 16, um, and God is about to shift their mind. He's about to shift their perception. He's about to teach them that there's something in reality that they haven't thought of, and they're about to experience it. And this is what happened in the morning. When the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. So they're seeing just normal stuff. It's just dew. When the dew, or let's see, when the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, what is it? For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, this, this mystery, this is the bread God is going to sustain you with. Keep going. This is what the Lord has commanded. Everyone is to gather as much as they need. And this is crazy because think, they're on a journey, they're hungry, there's two million people. And Moses says, we don't need to, you know, make sure everybody gets two serves. Just get everything you need. And so, you know, keep going, Abby, next one. The Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much, some gathered little. They just went out and just gathered this food, this, this manna, this mystery, as much as they could. And when they measured it by the omer, the one who gathered much did not have too much. The one who gathered little did not have too little. Everyone had gathered as much as they needed. And there's this on their journey to freedom when they're leaving what they used to eat. And they're trying to find a new life of freedom God actually shows them that there is abundance of what you need. He's going to rewire how you, how you see life. And he keeps, keeps going. Then Moses said to them, there's one catch. There's one catch. No one is to keep any of it until morning. Because something happened. Um, some of them paid no attention to Moses, but kept part of it till morning. But it was full of maggots and began to smell. And Moses was mad. <laughs> There's abundance. 
There's abundance of everything you need. The only thing is that you can't secure it. You can't insure it. You can't stash it. You can't store it in a barn. But today, there is available to you what you really need. This is the view of life that God is teaching him through, through this experience. So I just wanted to ask you guys a question this week. <clears throat> um, you know, God, you know, in the verse we read at the beginning, and Jesus has some verses. It's okay. We don't need to put them all up. Um, Jesus talks about in chapter 6 how he says, I am the bread of life. If you follow me, if you see what I see, if you become how I am, he says that you will never be hungry, you will never be thirsty. Okay? But here's the catch. Jesus teaches us to pray. And I want to be careful saying this because I don't think there's anything wrong with storing, with planning with having investments. There's nothing wrong with that. The announcement to you guys today is just that it can't give you peace. It can't give you purpose. It can't give you life. Jesus says, what does he, how does he teach us to pray in the Lord's Prayer? <clears throat> give us this day our daily bread. I have an announcement for you guys. What you need for peace what you need for healing, what you need from God is available only today. It's not in your past. You might have had an awesome experience in your past. You can't access that. If the Israelites tried to store the manna further journey and stash it and hide it, it rotted. It grew worms and maggots. What was in the past needed to be released to the past, you know? Are any of us in here trying to hold on something good? Something, God gave you something good. God provided for you. And it was good. It was meant for that day. But you've been holding on to it like it's your life source. And my announcement to you and my burden to you just through praying this week. It's rotting you out. What, what used to sustain you, I don't know what it is. You know, for each of us, it's something. What God sustained you once needs to be released. And then today, we live in an abundant universe, bathed in God. And God wants to give you fresh manna today. You know, you guys will just pray with me as we sing this last song. Um, I really believe that <clears throat> the perception that your joy is going to come from something you can buy insurance for, it's just not true. You can't buy it. You can't insure it. You can't stash it. You can't secure it. You can't, you can't white knuckle hold on to what gives life. The only way to receive life is like this. The Israelites' perception, manna was only coming today. 
So they stash, 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 stash. That was their perception. The truth was that tomorrow you wake up on Tuesday, it's a feast again. Wednesday, it's here again. Thursday, it's here again. Friday, it's here again. You know, this person left my life. They're not there for me anymore. There's going to be somebody else. Did you know that? You lost that job. There's another one. God provided you, you know, this way. You've got to let it go. And then as we as a community learn, just like Jesus says, to feast on daily bread, letting go of the past, releasing the future, can't secure it, can't worry about it, can't secure it. This is where life is. Father, we just pray this morning with your power, would you fill us with the grace to release? Some of us, myself, have been gripping on to manna. And I just pray even as we sing this song, as we go out throughout this day, throughout this week, we could learn how to live with a new perception. And it could shape a new experience of our lives where we're walking in a God-bathed world, in an abundant world where we're taken care of and we, are, we have purpose and it's gonna be seen through. We surrender to you, God, and we say this in Jesus' name.